Hello, this is Michael James King come to you from beautiful Roundtown, USA. After starting a new diet in Roundtown, I altered my drive to work to avoid passing my favorite bakery. I accidentally drove by that same bakery this morning and as I approached, there was a window where a host of chocolates, donuts, and cheesecakes were on display. I felt this was no accident, so I prayed, Lord, it's up to you. If you want me to have any of those delicious goodies, create a parking space for me directly in front of the bakery. And sure enough, on the eighth time around the block, there it was. God is so good. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere, greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, thanking him for a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit lead and guide us as we speak to your people today, that your revelation flow freely to them through us so that they will understand the deep things of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is You Can Trust the Holy Spirit. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm doing really well. I so, admire your um, willpower, and you're, <laughs> and you're just like really leaning into the Holy Spirit for guidance. That was a pretty amazing story. The donuts are amazing. <laughs> God provides. Anyway, we're going to talk about the fact that you can trust the Holy Spirit. And the revelation is that the Holy Spirit is simply God, who is a spirit, and who is holy. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you get Holy Spirit. So when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, all you're doing is talking about God the Father. And when you listen to his Spirit, and you do the things of his Holy Spirit, you become holy too. So that's amazing little revelation there. And it takes a while to sink in, but I remember I started out in a free world Baptist church. And it was a very solemn service. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I felt by the Holy Spirit to start raising my hand during worship service. And that was like scandalous. Yeah, I bet. But I felt the Holy Spirit just taking my hand and raising it up. And so I had to decide whether I was going to keep it in my lap by force or let God take it and raise it up. And so I let him raise it up. And even though people looked at that as too demonstrative, that's what God wanted to do. And I had to trust the Holy Spirit. And so in our lives, I think what we have right now is a dichotomy. On one hand, we believe that we should trust the Holy Spirit and do what he says. But on the other hand, we think that we should be reasonable people exactly. and do what our natural minds dictate. And therein lies the difficulty because God wants to do one thing and our natural minds and other people that have natural minds want to do a different thing. So what do we do? What I'm saying to you today is that you can trust the Holy Spirit and do what he says when he says to do it, with whomever he says to do it with, because he knows what he wants to accomplish, and he knows more than us. And so if we simply obey when he says to do it, with whomever he says to do it with, we'll be right on the money. What do you think, Christy? It's a really 
kind of a crossroads in Christianity today, I believe. Probably has always been a crossroads in Christianity. Because when God created Adam and Eve, before sin came into the world, we were created as humanity to listen to God, to walk with Him, to hear Him, to husband for Him the creation, to take care of the things that He wants us to take care of, to be His manifestation on the earth, and also to be His companion on the earth. And we were not supposed to be guided by our natural-minded thinking. We were supposed to be guided by God. That's how we were created. That's how, we're, as yeah. humanity, we were supposed to be. Then when sin came into the world, we ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then we are using our natural minds to gauge what's good and what's evil. That's the problem with that. When God says to his heavenly host, mankind has now eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so now they're going to be like us, knowing good and evil. What he's referring to is the fact that the heavenly host understands what is truly good and what is truly evil. As humanity, because we have a limited perspective on everything, we don't have that clear understanding. And when we eat of that knowledge that is meant for God and the heavenly beings, we adapt that knowledge with our limited earthly minds, and we try to discern for ourselves what is good and what is evil. All throughout history, that's what mankind has done. What is good, what is evil. And there are some things that are consistent through all cultures throughout history. There are some things that are very different from culture to culture. But we grow up learning this is bad, this is good, this is bad. I mean, from the time we're two years old, don't do that, that's bad. Don't do this, that's good. Oh, you're such a good girl. Oh, you're a bad girl. And we gauge everything in our lives, good and evil, by what we are told. And then our natural minds start adapting what we are told as being the truth. Especially if we get into a church and we start learning doctrine and we start learning ideas of right and wrong, we learn the Ten Commandments, then we start walking through life holding on to these ideas, this is good, this is evil, and then we get pressure from other people. Let's take lying, for example. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not tell a lie. We know that. And we are ingrained, at least in this culture, from the beginning of our lives. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. We're supposed to be honored for telling the truth. We're supposed to be punished for lying. Then we come up with a story like Rahab and the Israelite spies. When they came into the promised land, she said, I believe in your God. I want to help you. Tell me what I need to do. And she hid the spies. Then when people came and asked her about it, she outright lied. I don't know where they are. I haven't seen anybody. Okay, spies. so it's, I don't know about any spies. <laughs> exactly. There's spies in the land. You got to be kidding. You got to be kidding. Really? I don't know now anything I'm about it. Exactly. Protect me. <laughs> so, as a Christian, as a believer in right and wrong, and we have been ingrained lying is wrong. We get to that story, and then we stop and we stumble, and our natural mind tries to reason. Hmm. Well, okay, she wasn't a believer. She didn't understand the line was wrong, so she gets a pass. Or, well. She was really helping somebody good, so good things came out of it, so that was okay. So then we put this caveat on, the end justifies the means. If it comes out that you're helping God's people, it's okay. And then we end up doing that for everything in our lives. Every time we come up against something that doesn't fit with our doctrine, we've got to rationalize it. We either have to rationalize doing it, or we have to rationalize not doing it, or this is wrong because this says this, or this is right because, well, in this circumstance. And it becomes very confusing. We're not meant to live that way. You know, in the New Testament, it talks about being filled with the Spirit, and when you are led by the spirit, you don't give in to the fleshly nature. And I think what we need to understand is that our decisions, right and wrong, are based on the Holy Spirit and as God directs. 
There are some things that he believes are wrong all the time. There are some things that we can sense in our spirits are wrong all the time. But there are some things that he will lead us to do that go against what we have been taught so often that we often stumble over it. And the only way to get over that is to completely lean on the Spirit of God and trust that He really knows what is best for us and what is best for other people. The idea for this podcast today came out of my realization that I still am steeped in a lot of legalism. Now, from reading my website or hearing me talk on this podcast, you might not think that. You might think, no, this guy is pretty out there. (laughs) But the truth is, compared to where God really is, I'm still very bound. Mm -hmm. And I came to this realization because I still try to figure it out. Whenever God does anything that seems out of the ordinary, I try to figure out, okay, well, how does that fit into my theological understanding? I realized today that I don't have to. I don't have to figure out what God is doing. I do not have to check him to see if he's congruent with himself. Exactly. That's a good point. By definition, the Holy Spirit is holy. God's nature is holy. The the seraphim above his head in the sanctuary in the true temple in heaven cry, holy, 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 and the doorposts move. I mean, Mm. the guy's holy. Whatever he does is by definition holy. If you are led by the Holy Spirit to do something, it is by definition holy because the origins of that action are the desire and will of God. And when God leads me to do things no matter how strange they seem to be, those actions are holy if they are predicated and faithfully executed on the will of God. And I just realized that I still try to figure things out way too much. And while I'm trying to figure it out, I'm not doing the will of God. Yeah, exactly. And this was really a profound realization because in my mind, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And All this time that I spend consternating and wondering and trying to fit things into some pattern in my mind are times I'm not believing God. And I realize that the standard that God has and that he wants me to meet is that pure faith. I obey because he says it and because I believe he is who he says he is. And there's nothing more to it than that. When we try to decide whether God is legitimate in what he's doing, that is unbelief. That is us trying to justify God to ourselves. And though we do the action, our faith is not as pure as it could be. And in the coming days, this is going to matter a lot because we're going to have to move and do things very quickly Mm -hmm. without trying to second-guess God and see whether what he's doing is okay. Because people's lives, our lives, will depend on our actions being done at specific times and in specific ways. I always go back to the story about Philip. Mm -hmm. He was an evangelist, and he would go and he'd talk to people about Jesus Christ and share the good news with them. Now, obviously, if you want to share good news with people, you go where people are. (laughs) Right. And normally that's what he did. But one day, God led him into the desert. The Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go there. He says, okay. Now, in the natural, that is away from people. Mm -hmm. How are you going to witness to anybody in the desert? So he's standing out there obeying God. And who happens along but an Ethiopian eunuch of high rank 
reading Isaiah on a scroll and wondering what it means. And so the Holy Spirit tells him to go join himself to that chariot. So he starts running and he says, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and the eunuch says, you want to lift? Yeah. He gets up there and he says, uh, what you reading? Oh, I was just reading Isaiah. I can't figure out what this means. Oh, well, I'll tell you. And though he did everything opposite of what you think an evangelist should do, he witnessed to that one eunuch. And today, in a predominantly Muslim area of the world, Ethiopia is still half Christian. Mm. And so Philip didn't know that. He didn't know he'd meet anybody in the wilderness. He didn't know what would happen when he went and got up into that chariot. Mm -hmm. But because of his obedience, very, very quick obedience, millions of people were blessed. That's right. And what if Philip had not trusted God. I'm supposed to be ministering to people and there are no people here. And if he's grumbling on the side of the road about why he's there or trying to figure it out, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? That chariot would have just gone right by him. He would have just moved the dust out of his eyes and continued grumbling to God and totally missed what God was doing. As far as we know, God didn't tell him why he was there. And it doesn't seem that he felt the need to know why. It's not our actions and our holiness and our good works that please God. It's not our understanding of what God is doing that pleases God. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's faith that pleases God. And I love the story of Philip because Philip is very much like me in the book of John when he's standing there telling Jesus, um, there's a whole bunch of people here and it's almost time for dinner and we have no food and what are we going to do? And he starts to panic and reasoning and figuring things out, trying to understand. And I can feel what Philip must have felt in that moment. It would take a year's wages to go get enough food for all these people. We don't have that kind of money. That's just not, it's not going to be possible. He didn't have the faith that he needed. But Jesus used that as an opportunity to teach Philip. And Philip understood, I believe, in that moment that it's the faith to just obey what Jesus says to do, even if it doesn't make sense. Then we see how much he grew by the time he got to this Ethiopian, yeah, exactly. and he just was there ready, okay, I'm here, what do you want me to do? That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have that he can use, because in that wonderful show, The Chosen, when Jesus is leading his disciples through Samaria, because he wants to meet with a Samaritan woman at the well, they're questioning him and saying, um, we don't go that way, Jesus. That's Samaria. We go around. Okay, we'll go with you, but why are we doing this? I don't understand. We don't usually do this, questioning him. And Jesus finally says, if we're going to have a question and answer session, every time I give you a direction, it's going to be really tedious. That's exactly how we need to see our lives. If we have to stop every time God gives us a direction and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why am I doing this? How is this possible? It's really going to slow things down, and God can't use that. Yeah, like you said, if you have a chance to watch The Chosen, I think it's for free on YouTube, definitely do that. Yeah. That is the best Jesus program that you can possibly look at. Definitely. Well, you're right. In the book of John, when Philip asked Jesus what we're going to do, he was looking at the natural circumstance and ignoring God manifest in the flesh. This was the problem. His eyes were focused on the natural thinking, the natural reasoning you know, we have this much and we have this many people. The math doesn't work. The math doesn't work <laughs> out. And a lot of times what we do is we are looking so much at the natural that we miss the spiritual relevance that God has told us to do this. Wow. And yeah. we don't understand that it's not just us. It's God plus us. And that means that you have enough. You have everything you need because God is backing you. 
And in my own life, my tendency to want to understand is almost an impediment to yeah. my faith. Yeah, mine too. Because I should just believe, because I know God's voice. I've heard it for years. I've seen him do miracles. I've seen him lead me and do things that you wouldn't think that could possibly be done. And it's true. In the natural with me, it couldn't be done. But me plus God equals enough. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is leading us into an area of purified faith to where we just believe. We don't have to understand. The disciples were the disciples because they followed Christ, not because they understood him. Oh, wow. That is good. Yeah. And it's like that with us, too. We don't follow God because we understand him. We follow God because we believe him. And when God speaks to me or when God speaks to you, we obey not because it all makes sense. We obey because we trust our Heavenly Father. We trust the Holy Spirit. And the truth is the Holy Spirit leads and guides us beside still waters into green pastures. When we ask of our Father bread, he doesn't give us a stone. Mm. He gives us from his heart. He gives us from his abundance. He gives us good things. Because why? We are his children. And he wants to take care of us. You don't have to worry that you don't have enough to do what Jesus asks you to do because the guy is just rich. Everything is given unto Christ, and Christ is your mediator between what you need and what God has. And Christ is going to open the riches of heaven to you if you will but believe and obey and do things when God needs them done. We are partnering with the Holy Spirit right now in order to be a manifestation or revealing of Christ to the world because he still wants to finish the work that he began 2,000 years ago of reconciling mankind to himself so that where he is, we may be. And you are important. You are the person that can reach another person. You are the person that can speak a kind word to a person who is really going through it on a difficult day. You're the person that can give a nice cream cone to somebody unexpectedly and let them know that they are loved and seen and heard. I did that to a kid in junior high. <laughs> I had bought a nice cream cone and I was about to eat it. And he looked at me and said, boy, I wish I had a nice cream cone. I looked at him and I gave it to him. And I could have pushed him over because <laughs> he was so dumbfounded. He mm -hmm. said, you're going to give that to me? I said, yeah, you wanted an ice cream cone. The guy became my friend on the spot. It touched him. You wouldn't think giving an ice cream cone to somebody would do that, but he was just floored that somebody would just, out of their heart, give him an ice cream cone. You don't know the power of a word said in due season at the time that God wants to speak to somebody. They are prepared for that word if you will give it. And it's only a word to you, but it's life to them. Exactly. Because why? It's holy. It's God speaking through you. I remember there was a young man in a prayer meeting and he had this terrible fear that even though he wanted to be a Christian, that the devil was going to defeat him and take him out of God's hand. And he received prayer and I hung back and then afterwards I went up there and I closed my fist and I said, open my hand. And then he just half-heartedly tried to open my fingers and I yelled at him, open my hand. Then he really tried. He couldn't move one finger. And I said, neither can the devil take you out of God's hand. Now, that wasn't much for me to do, but it was a word given 
in a particular time to a particular person that needed to hear it. Probably life-changing. He never, never forgot that. Yeah, that's right. What's beautiful, too, about doing these acts of faith is that it's never in vain, and we are always blessed. Look throughout Scripture, the stories of people who did something as an act of faith for God and how blessed they were. When Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water, when Jesus called him to walk to him, when he was walking by faith, obeying what Jesus said, keeping his eyes on Jesus, he was able to experience a miracle. When he stepped out of that flow of the Spirit, when he stepped out of that obedience and keeping his eyes where they needed to be, and he started looking at the water, then he fell. And that's a beautiful illustration of how when we walk in faith, miracles happen. But as soon as we take our eyes off of God and and move from that faith to a place of trying to figure it out, looking at the waves saying, how is this possible? I shouldn't be able to walk on this. We slip. We fall in. God is pleased with faith to the point that he will manifest miracles when we step out in faith. And other people are blessed by what we do, and we are always blessed by what we do. Walking in obedience to God is such a beautiful experience because the joy and the peace that you feel being in alignment with being obedient to God and the favor that comes on you because God is pleased. You know, without faith, it is impossible to please God. With faith, you please God. Have you ever really been in that place where you can sense that God is pleased with you? It's not because of your good works. It's not because of how many things you do. It's not because of your good attitude. It's because you walk in faith. His pleasure comes on you, and that's an amazing place to live. Exactly, and you can trust the Holy Spirit. That's what we're telling you today. It's possible to be in a place where you just trust what God says and you do what he says, when he says to do it, with whomever he says to do it with. And that is a very simple place to be because you're not trying to figure things out. You're not worried about whether you're doing God's will because you know you're doing God's will. We do not need to understand I don't need to understand. It's really my Achilles heel needing to understand. Mine too, for sure. And I have to put my natural mind on hold and just go by what the Spirit says to me and do the works that I hear. It's an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit is always right. He's never wrong. You know, and then you say, well, yeah, that may be true, but I may be wrong. Well, you may be, but trying to do what he says is better than not doing it. You know, I always say you don't have to be 100% right in God to do what he says you got to try. He'll correct you along the way if Mm -hmm. you need correction. That's right. You know, attempting to walk by a young child is better than crawling the rest of your life. Exactly. That's good. And God wants you to get up and try. You know, we're not talking about walking on water. That comes later. (laughs) We're talking about getting up in the morning and asking God what he wants you to do before you decide what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And then being flexible enough in your daily routine to let him do what he wants to do. I found that sometimes God asks me to do things when I don't have time to do it because I have a schedule. I have goals that I need to meet for this day. (laughs) And God didn't know that or something. (laughs) And so he asked me to do these things and I said, well, I I can't do both. You didn't read my to-do list, God. It's busy today. Yeah, God didn't read my to-do list. You know, if he had, he wouldn't ask me to do this extra stuff. Right. I have to make a decision. And so I say, well, I'm just going to put everything on hold and do what he wanted me to do. And I do it. And then I found out the things I needed to do either couldn't be done or didn't need to be done. Or got got done done uh, anyway. anyway. Yes. (laughs) And I said, okay, well, God knew more than I did. And I could trust the Holy Spirit. You know, we have fear. Fear of failure, 
fear of other people, mm-hmm. fear of not going to heaven because we do something. The only reason that we're going to heaven is because God's going to take us there. And one of the defining characteristics of those who go to heaven is that they have obeyed the will of the Father. And so defaulting to obeying the will of your Father is always a good bet. It's always a good choice. You can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the problems that we encounter in church settings is that people don't trust the Holy Spirit. They want to run things according to their idea of decent and in order. Exactly. When God's got completely different scale of what he considers decent and in order. We become formulaic. We become dogmatic. Yeah. We become staid and stodgy, and there's no life there anymore. And so people start leaving because God's not able to breathe in his people. And so we leave and we go different places and we trying to find God. For instance, like our last podcast where two or three are gathered, there is Christ in the midst. You don't have to have a big building. You don't have to have a big parking lot. You don't have to have a large ministry or even a small ministry. You have to have another person to know where God is. That's where God's dwelling today. And the Holy Spirit through them is coming to you. The Holy Spirit through you is coming to them. And if you go as the Holy Spirit leads both of you, it's coming to somebody else. We are being drawn to listen to God more than anything else. It's our only safety in these latter days. People that want to go build a bug out shelter are totally missing the mark unless God has specifically told you to do Mm. that. And he told you a specific place to do it. And he told you the specific things to put in it. Then you can do that. But by and large, God is not telling people to do that. What is he telling people to do? He's leading people to work while it is yet day. Yes. Now is the time to get your house in order. Now is the time to sell all and follow Jesus Christ when you can still do stuff without having to face the might of the Roman government that is coming against you. There was a time in Jerusalem where you could go and preach the gospel. There was opposition, but there wasn't crucifixion. Right now, you can preach the gospel. Right now, you can be led of the Holy Spirit and do whatever he says to do. And in this easy breezy climate, anything goes and nobody will bother you. But there is coming a time when the world government is going to restrict our ability to let the Holy Spirit speak and let the Holy Spirit do. And there'll be a high cost for obeying God then. I say, get your oil now while you can. Stock up on the Holy Spirit. Learn to hear his voice now so that when it becomes the matter of life and death, you know who you hear. Right. And he says, I want you to go stand on the train track. You'll do it. You're not going to argue with him whether or not you should go and stand on that train track. Mm -hmm. But he knows that the train's going to derail and it's going to hit the building that you're standing next to. And there is no way you can know that. Exactly. Except by the Holy Spirit directly reveal it to you. And he doesn't very often explain the why. That's the difficulty. No. We need to make sure that we're seeing ourselves as a part of what God is doing. And this may come as a shock to a lot of us, but it is not all about you. (laughs) At least in the Western culture and in America, we are really taught it's all about you. And we are very, very self-focused. And so we think everything that God is leading us to do is something that has to do with us. 
and it's part of something that's going on in our lives. And if we can't figure out how it fits into my life and what God's doing with me, and it doesn't seem congruent with where I think my life needs to go, then we pause and we argue and we struggle. And God just says, do it. When Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, it made absolutely no sense for many reasons. The cultures around Abraham at that time were participating in a lot of child sacrifice. And we find out years later when God brings the laws to the Jewish people, he does not want them participating in that. Child sacrifice is not something that God wants. He hates that. So why would he encourage Abraham to do that. Not only that, but this was the promised son. This was the one that all of his descendants were going to come through. So why in the world would God ask him to kill him before he had a chance to have children? None of it made sense. But Abraham just did it. And Abraham believed God. He didn't doubt that it was God that told him. He didn't doubt that somehow it was going to work out. And we know from the book of Hebrews that he believed that after he killed him, which he was really planning on doing, that God was going to raise him from the dead, because God was still going to fulfill his promise to bring descendants through Isaac. Abraham never faltered in that. Abraham didn't realize that when he got there, God was going to say, stop, you've proven your faith, here's a ram, sacrifice the ram, don't harm the boy. But the other thing he didn't know is what a picture he was creating in the greater scheme of things. This was a picture of God sacrificing his own son. This was a picture of faith. Now, for centuries, Abraham is the standard of faith for all of believers. And Abraham didn't know that that's what he was doing. Abraham didn't know that he was proving his faith to God and to himself. Abraham didn't know any of that. All he did was move by faith in what God told him to do. But it wasn't all about Abraham. And Abraham realized it wasn't about Abraham. It was about God. And if God said to kill his son, okay, because God said the descendants were going to come through him, so somehow he was still going to do what he said. There was never a moment that we know of where Abraham didn't believe God, and that was Abraham's righteousness. Do you want to know how to be right before God? Do you want to know how to stand in his pleasure? It's by believing God and trusting God. I totally relate to what you're saying about understanding things having to be the Achilles heel, because whenever God shows me something that he wants me to do that is different or contrary to where I thought my life was going, or I see him moving in areas around me and I go, "Uh, I don't think God would do that. Then I stand there and I resist and I ponder and I try to figure it out and I try to put it in a box. It's got to fit this way or how would this work? Or maybe it's going to happen this way. Or maybe if we go down the line, this good thing is going to happen. And I waste a lot of time in my thoughts when I should be in my spirit, connecting to God's spirit. And when he says, okay, go left. I was planning on going right. If I would just do it, and listen to what he's saying and say, okay, I'm going to follow you in this. I'm going to just go in your flow and listen moment by moment to what you're telling me to do and see where it goes. Because when you're in God's flow, you're going to end up in a good place. You're going to have peace in the journey, and you're going to end up in the best place for you. He's not going to lead you on something that is going to end up tearing your life up. You might go through a difficult season, but his desire for you is to bless you. And the more faith we have and the more we act out of that faith and trusting that the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing and he knows what he's leading us into, the more we step into the pleasure of God. And trust me, you want your journey to be about being in the pleasure of God. In these latter days, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us people, we are going to do exploits that shock the world. And not only the world, but the Christian community. We are going to be heroes of the faith that do things that seem to be impossible, implausible, even impertinent. And we're going to do it by trusting the Holy Spirit. God doesn't care about man's tradition. God is not concerned about your doctrine. God is not 
worried about other people's opinions, for none can stay his hand. None can gainsay or resist his will. God needs to get something done, and he wants to do it through us. And we need to trust him until we don't need to understand him. And this will allow him to flow freely and accomplish his will without resistance. And it's incredibly vital that we become instruments that are easy for him to use. Because what he's doing with us is incredibly important. And when we allow him to use us without resistance, the things that he accomplishes through us are nothing less than a miracle. It's important to us and it's important to the people that we touch. You are positioned in your life in places I will never ever see. You have access to people that other people don't have access to. You can speak into people's lives that other people can't speak into. If God leads you to give a word to them at a particular time and say a particular thing, that is holy and that is God speaking through you. And they need to hear the Holy Spirit in these latter days so that they can be drawn unto the Father and become one with him because he's only going to take people that are one with him to heaven. Mm. If you are divided in your allegiances, if you're divided in your heart, if you're not fully with him, he doesn't want to live with you forever. He wants somebody who is one with him, one heart, one mind, one spirit. He wants you to be his wife. He wants you to come to him and be with him forever and grow ever into his likeness and into his image. And the way that we do this is simply by listening and trusting his Holy Spirit and doing the works of our Father, speaking the words that he speaks to us, to others. And that's how we become like him. That's how Jesus did. That's how we do it. He was the pattern son. We are the ones that follow that pattern. And if you will simply yield your life and your head to Jesus and start living by your gut, start living by the spirit that God put in you, then you will become a child of the Most High. Mm -hmm. Getting out of our thought patterns, getting out of our understanding, getting out of our training is vital because we assume we understand the nature of God. We assume we know he would do this, he wouldn't do that. I was listening to a really powerful speaker recently, and he was talking about devoting yourself fully to God. He was giving the example of Peter on the boat with his father. And later on, we know Peter just left everything because he told Jesus, we've left all to follow you. But he was there in the boat working with his father fishing. Jesus called him and he left and he went and followed Jesus. And the man was giving this powerful message about giving all to follow Jesus, just letting go and going wherever God tells you to go. And he stopped short and said, well, God would never tell you to leave your family. But beyond that, you know, you give everything. And I thought, you just (laughs) Just skipped over this illustration because Peter left his dad. We would look at that now and go, that was a really irresponsible Peter. Your dad is there. Both of his sons take off and follow this, this radical teacher. Dad is there running the business completely by himself. That is really irresponsible. It is not Christ-like. It is not loving your father. But he left all to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't have an issue with that. In fact, Jesus probably provided more help for his father because Peter did what God asked him to do. Exactly. Following Jesus is following Jesus. It's leaving all. It's leaving everything we have. It's leaving everybody that we love. It's leaving everything that we hold on to. And it's leaving our understanding about God would do this and God wouldn't do this. It's a dangerous place to be when we think we know the nature of God so well that we could say God would not do that. 
because God is God and we are not. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And our job is not to figure him out or to second guess what he would do or wouldn't do. Our job is to learn to hear his voice. And then when he says, do this, to do it by faith. Exactly. To do it by faith. I don't provide a systematic theology for the tabernacle experience because there is no systematic <laughs> That's right. theology there for it. There is none, yes. I mean, if you make one, God will break it. If you try <laughs> to explain it to somebody, they won't get it. Why? Because you have to experience it for yourself. Mm -hmm. The tabernacle experience is called the tabernacle experience because it is an experience. Trusting the Holy Spirit is nothing I can teach you. You have to do it yourself. Today, you have to ask God, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And then listen for his voice spoken through the Holy Spirit through you. And then do that. And by doing the will of the Father, you begin to understand God. You come to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right. You come to a realization, this is how God feels. This exactly. is how God speaks. Yeah. This is how God acts through me, not through somebody else. The problem with going to church and sitting in a pew and having somebody else tell you about God is that you're not experiencing him for yourself. You're experiencing vicariously something somebody else did. And it's not the same. You know, we are not going to make heaven our home because the pastor lived well. We're not going to make heaven our home because our mother was a good Christian. We're not going to become like Jesus Christ by watching somebody else become like Jesus Christ. Right. It's our personal responsibility to have our own oil. You had to have your own oil for your own lamp. That's how you saw in the darkness in order to go and find the bridegroom. You got to have your own oil. And I could tell you what I see of the future. I could tell you the things that are coming down the pike and that are going to happen. But that would just make you more fearful. That would just make you more concerned and consternated. What I'm telling you is learn to trust the voice of God now so that when you come to those things that are shortly going to come to pass, you have the oil to see in the darkness. You can pierce the coming great delusion because you have strong revelation individually. Mm -hmm. This is what will save you. Not what I say, it's who you know. God will be with you in that time. He will illuminate your path. You will not stumble because you will see where to place your feet during those troublous times. And you will come out victorious because you walk with God. Not because you follow some theology. Not because you're from a denomination that thinks they're the end all and be all of God. You will have known Jesus Christ personally and you'll have a strong relationship with him. And in the midst of troubled times, you will walk surely and place your feet exactly where God says. And if you need to walk on water, you will walk on water because Jesus is with you. You're absolutely right that it's not by what we think in our heads, it's what we know in our spirits. And following God is all about knowing what we know in our spirits. We don't have to sit down and work it out all on paper before we take that step. Because when we take that step, we experience the pleasure of God, the rightness of God, the confirmation of the Spirit that's in us. Even if our natural mind says, this can't work, we step into it and we feel it. And we know this is God. I know this is God. God recently moved me to accept a job doing a different kind of work. And I'm very excited. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. But there's 
aspects of it that make it seem like he's pulling me away from what I thought he was wanting me to do. But as I move into that and even just step into the location, I can just feel his presence and his confirmation and his spirit. Yes, this is right. And I see him working out all the other aspects of my life and everything is falling into place and everything is seeming like it is going to work really, really well. And it's a feeling in my spirit. It's not a natural-minded thought because if I sit down and work it out on paper, I go, yeah, I'm not really sure. But in my spirit, I know it's right. And the people that I trust to speak into my life are confirming that they know that it's right. And that's the gauge that we have to go by. Because what happens is that we get down the road when we walk in faith, when we obey what God tells us to do, we can look back and see in hindsight, yes, I see exactly how that worked out. Abraham could see exactly how that worked out when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Philip could see exactly how that worked out when God moved him to the desert to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch. God doesn't feel the need to tell us ahead of time how it's going to work out because he wants us to trust him that it is going to work out. He works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so if we trust that, we trust the voice of God, we trust the nature and the heart of God, we don't have to understand his actions. We don't have to understand his thoughts. We won't be able to understand his thoughts and we won't be able to understand his actions except when we look back in hindsight. And it's not agreeing with God in hindsight that pleases God. It's agreeing with God by faith and by trust when we don't see the big picture, when we don't understand what he's doing, but we know his voice and we move by his spirit and we understand that it is him flowing through us to accomplish his purposes, not us accessing him like some genie to accomplish our purposes. We belong to him. Our bodies are emptied out vessels, like Peter said, we left all to follow you, so that we can become vessels for the Holy Spirit to manifest through us as his hands and feet, so we can be Jesus present in our life, in everybody that we come into contact with. And even if you leave all to follow Jesus, where is Jesus going? He's going to heaven. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's going to the world to come, to the new creation, to the new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. He's going to a good place. You can trust your shepherd. You can trust the voice of God in your life. When you read about David, there's like no time in that guy's life where something bad wasn't going on. That's really true, isn't it? Very rarely did he just have a day off. (laughs) You know, people were always trying to kill him. He had armies coming against him. He was fighting giants even. And what happened? He died of old age in a bed with a beautiful young virgin. I mean, really, God was with the guy. And he led him through all that. He didn't get killed. Mm -hmm. He died in peace. And then he went to heaven and became a example of a man after God's own heart for all generations. Right. I mean, following God is a good deal, mm-hmm. no matter how mm-hmm. you slice it. And when you sell all, and that's different for everybody I'm talking to right exactly. now. Exactly. Good point. When you sell all and follow Jesus, he leads you to a good place. You can trust the Holy Spirit. He trusted the Holy Spirit. And look at what happened to him. He was resurrected on the third day. All power in heaven and earth was given to him. He is given the power to resurrect people into newness of life. He is building a home for everybody that's going to come and live with him forever. That's what he got for trusting the voice of God. And if you will trust the voice of God, you will make paradise your home. Mm -hmm. You will live forever in the presence of God Almighty. And you will feel the pleasure of God in your spirit and in your soul and in everything you do. 
There shall be no more death, no more need, no more anything that is negative. You will live in paradise in heaven forever. This is what God promises you. And he is sure that he's going to give it to you. Because what he says is yea and amen. What God declares shall come to pass. And those who are faithful unto him and faithful to do what he says, when he says to do it, when whoever he says to do it with, he will bless for all eternity. And you are that person. You are that person that he's speaking to right now into your spirit, into your heart. And he is telling you, follow me. Leave all that you have and follow me. Don't follow an individual. Follow Jesus Christ as he speaks to you personally, as he leads and guides your feet on good, solid ground. This is the way forward, my friend. This is what God is calling you to, and this is why you are listening to this today. Because God is speaking to you, my son, my daughter, follow after me as I speak to your spirit in you. You are holy because he is holy. You are perfected because he is perfected. You are a son and daughter of God because he is a son of God. And in him, you are everything that God wants. God is calling you now. Wherever you are hearing this, he is speaking to your spirit. The days are short. The time is now that you must understand that God is calling you to lay down your life, to stop doing what you want to do and start living what he desires. That is the way to heaven. That is the way to glory. That is the way that those around you that need to be saved from the pit of hell will be offered a lifeline in this time of trouble. You have no idea how many people depend on your obedience. You cannot comprehend the waves of love that will flow from you and touch individuals that will stop them from sinking into the eternal night of damnation. God is going to do a thing in you that if I told you, you would not believe. You are a chosen vessel. You are a foreordained, predestined, and foreknowledge individual that if you will say yes to Jesus, he will touch people in your life and they will be saved for eternity through Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you how important this is. God is speaking to you right now and you know it. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to take what he says to you and become a manifestation of his spirit in these latter days? Or are you going to look at that image in the mirror and walk away and do your own thing and let people die that didn't need to die? Jesus Christ loves you. He is calling you. If you want to serve him, this is the way to do it. To hear his voice, to do his will. This is your calling and it is the only thing that you need to accomplish today. Nothing else is more important than this, than to get down on your knees and pray to Jesus and ask him into your life and say, Lord, I have been remiss. I have done my own thing and I have failed miserably. But if you will take what is a wreck of my life 
and I give it to you fully, you can make of it as you wish. I give you everything. If you want me to move from my job, if you want me to move from my house, if you want me to change my acquaintances, I will do it. I just need to know what you want me to do because I'm going to give everything in my life to you today. And from henceforth, I am going to be your servant in totality. Jesus is about to move. I want you with me. I want you to be listening to the Holy Spirit wherever you are in this earth, and I want you to be doing the will of God as I'm doing the will of God where I'm at. I may never meet you. I may never see you face to face. But you are my brother. You are my sister if you do the will of my Father. This is the message of God in these latter days. This is what we are doing. This is the move of God. It is a move beyond what anybody has ever imagined. You cannot comprehend the love and the unity that is about to come on God's people. And believe me, you want to be a part of that. In Jesus' name. And therein is the point. You can trust the Holy Spirit and you want to be a part of what he is doing. Not only is your eternity set in perfection and beauty, but your life is blessed. Because God has an amazing way of, as he is working his purposes through you, working your purposes and bringing you to the fullness of what you are called to be and created to be. And yeah, we're going to come up against opposition. We have an enemy on this world that God has allowed to have a certain amount of power. We're going to come up against demonic opposition, against trials, trials in our flesh, people that don't like us. But the overall sense that comes when you are in his flow is one of peace and joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. And you can trust him because he's good. Amen. That is the truth. And for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Yeah. I mean, Christ is speaking to whoever will listen in these latter days, and he really loves you. He really is for you. He really understands your circumstances even better than you understand them. And he sees a way forward. God is into blessing you. He loves you. He wants to make your life better. And wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, if you'll just hear his voice, God will bless you. He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to take you in his arms and hold you and make you feel safe and secure, knowing that he is your father and he will take care of all the heavy lifting. That's God. He's a great guy. <laughs> you'll just love him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's about all the time we have on God's Love Club this week. But wait, here's a word from our sponsor. Christ Church of the Superficial. You gotta see us pray. Christ Church of the Superficial. Come be a member today. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for him, the righteous reverend. Hi, how are you? I am the Righteous Reverend of the First Church of the Superficial, where we are increased with goods and have need of nothing. A person who is not from our church, we will pray for his soul. He said, what is the size of your congregation? After I checked my app, I says, generally between 190 and 210, especially in the chief seats. And when you get to the cheap seats, the weight does go down. And you skinny people in the back, well, you're just going to have to get right with God. Amen. This is Ratch Reverend. Be blessed. 
Thank you for listening all the way to the end of God's Love Club. We love you so much. We are so privileged to have been able to speak to you and, and share what God is putting on our heart. You have a marvelous seven days. Let God bless you. Let him talk to you. Let him do great things in your life. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah. No, no. Gloria, tell the Pope he just has to hold like everybody else. I'm busy. Okay?